Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. And once they had that realization, then they would go to God for treatment. I got this in me, God. Now I realize that I have need for a Savior. I have realized I have a need for, uh, for my physician, Jesus. Now I ask that you would heal me. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Wedding Crashers. That's the really the sub-series that we're in right now. The major series, of course, is the life of Christ, and we are still there. And we're going to be there and continue to be there until the Lord moves us. Amen? Amen. So, um... Today, we want to speak from the subject of tilting the scales, tilting the scales. And uh, we are actually today uh, doing some on uh, streaming tests today. And uh, so we're actually streaming online. And uh, I don't know who's watching, who's listening. But if you are watching, listening, the Lord has a word for you. And I thank God for all of you that have come out this morning into our services live. I thank the Lord for you. And for those of you that will be listening by way of CD, we thank God for you as well in the name of the Lord Jesus. For those of you as well who will be downloading these messages to your iPods, to your cell phones, your mobile devices, we greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, let's go back now to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Oh, by the way, um, after the men's meeting uh, at the men's meeting this Thursday, we will be going over. Uh, I will be going over. I'm going to take care of home first. Amen. And then uh, we'll go over. Those of you that want to go over with me, we'll be going over uh, to help celebrate um, uh, the Dobbs' appreciation there. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be a little late, but it's all right. I'm going to take care of home first. All right. Matthew 22. Now, we've been here for quite a while, and it's, it, this is just so rich. It is so rich. Uh, this would be part number three today, I believe. And here again, it is subject, uh, rather, it is entitled Tipping the Scales. Tipping the Scales. And you'll, you'll realize what we're talking about by and by. But let's go ahead and read um, verse 1 through 14. I'm going to read it all the way through to verse number 14. Uh, for those of you that do not have your Bibles uh, that are listening. And uh, those of you that are here live, just uh, read along with me. And the Bible says, and Jesus answered, now here again, this is Matthew 22, verse number one. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Now make a note, Lord, I try to read all the way through, but sometimes I just cannot. Make a note right here by number three in your notes or in your Bible and say that this is the first call, okay? This is the first call. So verse three says again, and send forth his servants to call them that were bidden uh, to the wedding and they would not come. Verse number four, again, he sent forth his rather again he sent forth other servants saying tell them that were bidden behold i have prepared my dinner my oxen and my fatling are killed and all things are ready 
come unto thee marriage. This is the second call. Are you with me? Verse 5. And they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his uh, servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities rather than burned up their city. Verse eight. Then said he to the servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Third call. Third time he sent the servants out. Are you with me? Verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are what? Called. Many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this hour, for this time that you have appointed for us to really dive into your word. Lord, I pray that in this time that we will grow closer to Jesus. And Lord, that you would just lead us in your word under the direction of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will feed your people with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and that your anointing would be undeniable. And Lord, that uh, you would just really just minister to your people today. I yield myself to you and I trust in and rely upon you that you will indeed answer our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing right this very moment. In Jesus' name, let your heart say amen. amen. All right. Well, we see again, um, we actually stopped last time, I believe, at verse number seven, talking about the, the wrath the wrath of the king. And um, he sent forth his armies to destroy those murderers and burned up their cities. And we're really going to start here in verse number eight. And then it says, then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they that were bidden were not worthy. Really going to talk a lot about worthiness today. You're going to get a, an earful of that because that word is so powerful. It is so explosive. So explosive. But I want to give you really the large overview. We haven't gone over this. The, just a large overview of exactly what the Lord Jesus is speaking of um, in these verses of Scripture here. Now, to do that, we're going to have to go back. You're going to have to hold your finger here in Matthew 22 or put your Bible tab there and go back to John 1. Because the Lord really here is speaking about three calls. And I really want to get to that word uh, worthy. I pray we do, but there are three calls that it gives here. Three calls. Remember the first call, uh, he told them, hey, my, uh, the marriage feast is ready. Everything is ready. And they wouldn't come. Number one. Second, 
Uh, he sent his servants out again, tell them, hey, everything is ready. The oxen has been killed. Everything is ready. The fatling killed. Everything is ready. Come on. They made a lot of it. Some went to their merchandise. Some went to their farms. And the remnant um, killed those servants. They treated them badly. They, um, uh, they verbally assaulted them. Um, and they killed them. The third call goes out. The Lord says, go and go and go to the highways and byways and compel them to come in three calls. Now this talks about three errors of time or three dispensations of time. Three. Uh, I mean, the Lord Jesus is being wonderful here. This he is really being wonderful. The first dispensation of time, he's talking about the time that was before law. A time when Abraham, uh, when God showed Abraham that man could become righteous based on his faith in God. The first dispensation, the first call. People heard that, what? And just didn't come. The second dispensation of time is when God gave law to Moses and the people of God were under law. Well, in that time period, God raised up the prophets. And the Lord sent out words saying, hey, everything is ready. It's time to come. And they slew the prophets. They killed the prophets. They uh, verbally assaulted them. And the Lord, in the fullness of time, now the Lord Jesus comes. And uh, here we are. And he's the one that brought grace and truth. And he sends out this final call. Go into the highways and byways and compel the people to come. Now, as we go back, the Bible declares clearly that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That is before God decided to put the first star up or first planet, all that stuff, before he decided to um, bring the world as we know it together, not only the cosmos, but the world, this planet together. Before he decided to put inhabitants on it, he already made up in his mind what he was going to have to do. He already knew what man would do. He already knew what Adam and Eve would do. He already knew what the devil was going to do. He already knew it. God was not reacting to what Eve did, Adam and Eve did it in the garden. God already had a plan. Before the foundation of the world, uh, the Lord Jesus already decided uh, if, or the, there was a conversation in heaven, if I create man, they're going to do this and they're going to die. He had to make up in his mind, am I willing to let them die and eternally be without me? No. So from that point, he made a decision. I'm going to have to go to the cross for them. And then the Lord, of course, there in the garden, in the garden of Eden, uh, he uh, prophesied that to, to Adam and Eve. He prophesied that. He said, well, the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. That's talking about the virgin birth. Praise the Lord. And it was that gospel, it was then that the Lord began to really preach or prophesy that a change was coming. All the way back there from the book of Genesis. Are you with me? And then there, here again, uh, in, the, in the second dispensation, you see really all throughout scripture, you see all these types and shadows of Christ, what God was going to do. And he was sending messengers throughout mankind, sending a message, everything is ready, everything is ready. Everything is ready. Remember, before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Everything is ready. Come, believe. Believe in this gospel. Believe in what God would do. Believe that he's going to send a Messiah way back. Uh, of course, um, 
uh, there in the first dispensation and then the law. Believe that God's going to send the Messiah. Believe that he's going to free you from your sins. Believe that he's going to uh, impute righteousness to you. Believe that it won't be just you, but it be God. It is it's his righteousness that he's going to put on you. Believe in that. Believe in that. So he sent out the prophets and uh, during the first time, time period, of course, they just refused to come. No, we're not going to believe that. The second time under law, they actually uh, verbally assaulted the prophets and the Lord's messengers, and they killed them so many times. So much blood was shed. And then, of course, here we are now in this dispensation of grace and truth that has come by Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Now, so that is in the major scheme. And then as we bring it down, if we're looking at it as a microscope, as we zoom in just a little bit more, we find that the Lord Jesus is actually uh, speaking about himself here and how he came to his own and his own received him not. We're going to see a lot of that here. Uh, so again, let's go to John. John 1, and let me just read verses 1 through 13, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the what? Was the light of men. That's right. In him. Now, who are we talking about now? We're talking about the Word, right? The Word was the light. All right, say with me, the word, is the, light. the word is the light. Okay, and it says, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, darkness could, out, could not put out um, the light of the word. Uh, the devil couldn't stop it and can't stop it. Even though he killed the prophets, still cannot stop the word from shining. Praise the Lord. Cannot keep the truth from shining forth. Verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9, That, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. Talking about that light, talking about the word of God. Are you with me? He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. The Jewish nation as a whole did not receive Jesus. So when they rejected their Messiah, that made way for God to open the door to the Gentiles so that we could be saved. Are you with me? Now, the Gentiles were everybody that was not a Jew. Okay? So when the Jewish people rejected their Messiah, when they rejected the word, when they rejected the servants that were saying, well, the Messiah is coming and Jesus himself came and they rejected. They said, no, we won't come. No, we won't believe that. We want to stay in our way. Remember, as we said last time that there was a, uh, a change was coming. A governmental shift was coming. It was coming, and uh, Jesus was that change. They were under law, the second dispensation, but Jesus came uh, to fulfill the law, and now Jesus would bring grace and truth, and they didn't want that, so they killed him. 
All right. Uh, or rather, we could say, so the Lord allowed himself to die. He was sacrificed. He gave himself. They didn't murder him. They murdered the prophets, but they didn't murder Christ. To murder means that you would take someone's life. Um, you would just take it. You take you got the power to take life and you took it from him. All right. But Jesus gave his life for us. Many times that they come to seek to kill Jesus and he just walked straight through them. He didn't, he didn't, um, they didn't get him or they didn't capture him because he was unaware. He was very aware what was going on. Even in the Garden of Eden, or rather, uh, Garden of Gethsemane, uh, as they were praying, the Lord said, boys, you, can't you pray with me one hour? Uh, but you, he said, sleep on because, uh, here comes a traitor now. He knew what was up. He knew what was going down. Even when he, when he was praying, he said, Father, if it be your will, let this, uh, cup pass from me. I don't want to go through this. I know what's about to happen I know what he, he could have left then he could have got out of there then and even when Peter drew out his sword and it cut off the um cut off the soldier's ear the Lord said Peter put away your sword don't you know even now that I can call down legions of angels thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels to rescue me out of this they're not taking my life I'm laying it down are you understanding so he knew what was going on. And even even again, if we rewind just a little bit more, even at the Last Supper, at the Last Supper, uh, the Lord Jesus knew who would betray him. He knew it. He prophesied and told them, somebody's going to betray me. And they all said, who is it? Who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And Jesus said, the one that dips with me is the one that's going to betray me. And boom, Judas Iscariot did it. Jesus knew it. He even prophesied, the son of man is going to die. I'm going to die, but the third day I'm going to rise again from the dead. Jesus knew it. They did not take his life. He laid it down. Okay? As a ransom for us all. So he was not murdered. He let himself die. He gave up the ghost. Are you with me? So, here we go again. He came to his own and his own rejected him. They made light of him. They made light of his message and they tried to kill the light. They tried to kill the message of Christ. Remember, uh, we saw there in the book of Luke on last week how the, uh, how the, the Pharisees and, and all of them got together and said, we got to, we got to do something about this man named Jesus because if we don't do something about him, uh, then the Romans are, rather than all people are going to believe on him and the Romans are going to come and take away our place and our nation. If we keep, if we allow Jesus to keep speaking, to keep spreading the light, to keep shining the light, uh, we're not going to have our place any longer. So they did not want Jesus to keep um, ushering out the message, the message of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. They didn't want that. So they were trying their best to put out the darkness, was trying its best to suffocate the light, but it couldn't do it. The light was too strong. So let's go back again in verse number 11. Are y'all getting, are you, are you still with me? I thank God that you are. Verse 11 says, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Verse 12, but as many as received him, say now he's talking about you. Are you with me? Turn to your name and say now he's talking about you. He says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name 
See, they did not receive him. Remember, they killed the prophets. They, they entreated them spitefully. They insulted them. They killed them. And some made light of it. But we Gentiles that were found by the highways and by the byways and among the hedges, we heard the truth of the gospel that we could be set free, that we could be healed. And we packed up our grip and we followed after those servants going into the marriage supper. Are you with me? This is wonderful. Said as many as received him gave him gave them power to become sons of God. Verse thirteen, uh, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse fourteen, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Word that was rejected. That has become now the head of the corner. Now let's go to John the third chapter. Remember the word is light. The darkness tried to put the light out. But he couldn't do it. The word is light. And uh, we can say it this way. Jesus equals the word. And the word equals light. Jesus is light. Jesus is also the word. The word is Jesus and, and the word is also light. Light is also the word and, and light is also Jesus. Are you with me? If you have Jesus, you have light. If you have Jesus, you have the word. If you have his word, you have light. If you have the word, you have Jesus. Praise the Lord. One in the same. Let's look at chapter three now. This will give us greater insight as to what's happening there in Matthew 22. John three. Let's look at verse, just uh, a couple of verses here. Verse 14 through 21. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. Remember, we talked about these types and shadows all the way through the uh, Old Testament, the three dispensations, the time period before, before the law. Abraham was reckoned righteous without law. He was reckoned righteous because he believed in God. God counted him righteous because of his faith. And then we moved into the time period, the second calling. We move into the law, the dispensation of law that came by Moses. The law was given. Now hear me. We're going to step aside just for a moment. The law was given to diagnose sin. Man was unaware that there was this sin in him, that he was not right in the sight of God. So God gave the law so that man could see that he could not meet up to God's standard. When put on the scale, we're going down tipping the scale. When put on the scale, man still did not measure up. And man was unaware of his condition of how bad it was. Remember, Paul said, I, I had not known lust except the law said don't lust. I had not known um, this or that except the law said it. The law was there. God put it there to reveal sin, to make sin look exceeding sinful. It is kind of like you go into um, go into the x-ray lab and and uh, the doctors tell you, well, we want you. Uh, we've gone over this before, but the doctor said we want you to to drink this chalk like substance and and you drink that and as you drink it uh they have hold your mouth and then they say swallow and you're right there in front of the screen when you swallow uh, then they can see it actually they can see the liquid go down your esophagus all the way down to line your stomach uh that that chalky substance is there to help you to see help the doctors to see to diagnose what's in you 
They were not meant to live by the chalky substance. They were not meant to worship the chalky substance. The chalky substance was only supposed to let them know that you got something bad, something wrong in you. And once they had that realization, then they would go to God for treatment. I got this in me, God. Now I realize that I have need for a savior. I have realized I have a need for, uh, for my physician, Jesus. Now I ask that you would heal me. Remember, Jesus said, those that be whole need not a physician. If you think you're well, if you think you're doing good, if you cannot see the unrighteousness in your heart, if you cannot see the sin or the iniquity within, you think you're fine. Are you here? So the law was given to diagnose sin. When we put ourselves up against that scale, up against God's scale, and if we have time today, we want to really talk about the three scales that are used in life. A man measuring himself by another man. I'm not like him. Man measuring himself by himself. I'm doing good things, so I know I'm good with God. But when you measure yourself up against God's scale, you're going to always come up short. Always come up short because God gave God gave that one scale and we really call it the law. We call it law. And when you measure yourself up against God's scale, uh, you can determine or you can see how truly unrighteous you are. Uh, just bring up the Ten Commandments. Have you lied? Oh, there you going down on them. Have you stolen? Oh, yeah. Have you, uh, you know, have, have you murdered? You haven't killed anybody, but you assassinate people with your mouth all the time. You know, have you committed adultery? No, I've never been with another woman, but you show full of lust, brother. Hallelujah, sister. So praise the Lord. So if we look at ourselves on God's scale, you can truly see how unworthy we are when we look at God's standard. Hallelujah. So God knew that man was in that condition. Man didn't know that they were in that condition, but God knew it. And he said, I got to get man to drink this nasty, chalky stuff so that he can really see the mess that's in him. And so God, so God gave a law for that purpose, for man to see his need for God. The law was given so that man would see his need for God. Other than that, man was trying, my man was trying his best to be self-righteous because he examined himself by other men. I'm not, at least I don't do that. I don't do that, so I'm pretty good. Or you measure, measure things by yourself, by your own worth, by your own good actions and think that you're good. No, God said, no, let me give you a test. Drink this. Stand over there against that, uh, against that screen over there. Now we're really, we're really going to see what's in you. And that was how man developed the need for the Lord. Now, if you go to a man on the street, now this is very effective. I love the wisdom of God. If you go to someone on the street and you have a drug in your hand, let's say you have a, a pill in your hand. And you tell that man who is a complete stranger, you tell him, unless you take this pill, you're going to die. He's going to look at you like you're halfway out of your mind, like you're crazy. And walk the other way. He'd probably call the police on you. But if you take that same man, you tell him there's something wrong with you. Let me go. Let me take you to this clinic right here. It don't take a moment of your time. Let them x-ray you. Let them draw some blood. And let him see clearly by the x-ray that there's something wrong. Then he'll take that medicine from you. Are you with me? 
and this is the purpose of the law. So three dispensations before law with uh, with uh, with Abraham before law reckon righteous in the law. People had to know, hey, there's something wrong here. I need a savior. After law, the savior came. Jesus brought grace and truth. We no longer live under the law. We live under grace and truth. Third dispensation. Are you with me? And so here again in verse 14 of John 3, it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. So here it was another type or shadow of Christ in the Old Testament. Right there, as Moses lift up the serpent, so must Jesus be lifted up. And as Jesus is lifted up, people are going to be saved, healed, and delivered. As the gospel, as the word of God, as the messages preach, people are going to see it, believe it, receive it, and they're going to be healed. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting, rather, but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Now look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. When those servants went to the door, these are not condemning words. They were not saying, oh, you're going to hell. Now we're talking about Matthew 22 again. When the servants went to the door, they did not say uh, that you are going to hell, that you're going to, uh, that you're going to, you know, you're a miserable sinner and, and you need to stop this and you stop that. No, all they said was that God has a way prepared for you. And that was the message that God uh, was sending, that that the lamb was slain. The feast is ready. The marriage supper is ready. God has already has all these things that are already ready for his people to come and eat. He has a way for them to gain righteousness. He has a way for them to tip the scales on your behalf to be seen right in the sight of God. All things are ready, but they took them in the, and they, they killed those messengers. All right. Um, so the Lord didn't come to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is condemned. Rather, rather take it back. Verse 18. He that can, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. There is only one way to escape death hell and that is through jesus christ now you will hear many other messages many other messengers will go to the door the bible is very clear that in the last days many false prophets will arise and deceive many and there are doctrines of devils that are going through the land but here again their lies or their their heresies cannot put out the light of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in these last days, you're going to see the gospel, the true gospel of Christ shining even brighter as the Lord God raises up his sons, the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God with power and uh, with demonstrations, with signs and wonders and miracles testifying to the validity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's good, Lord. I thank you for it. Verse 19 says, and as is rather, and this is the uh, condemnation. Now here, now this also makes reference back to Matthew 22. We're going here for a reason. It says here, and this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and men loved darkness 
rather than light because their deeds were evil. But everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. They don't want that light to shine. So they took the prophets, they took the messengers and they uh, insulted them and they killed them because their deeds were evil. They wanted to stay in their midst. They did, they did not want their evil to be shown up. They wanted to stay in their sin. So they hated the light. He said, um, verse 20 again, for every, every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. If you love light, you love truth, you're going to come to the truth. You're going to come to the light. And uh, you're going to see a lot of things happen. All right, now let's go back to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. I thank God that you made it out today uh, to receive the rich word of the Lord. Now, all that being said, and that was definitely a mouthful. All that being said, uh, the Bible says again that uh, in verse number eight, it said, Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden we're not worthy. We're going to camp right here just for a second. It seems as though now, now he sent out three groups of servants, right? The first group, I'm sure, went out and the people didn't come, so they went back. They were fine. Second group went out, never came back. They were insulted and they were killed. They buried somewhere over there. So now it seems as though the king is taking counsel or... Um, is holding a council or a session now with the remaining servants. And he's saying to them, he's stating first the, the issue. He said, then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready. Can you imagine a, a huge banquet hall uh, with all the food and trimmings? We were at a wedding reception yesterday, as a matter of fact. A huge banquet hall with all the food and, and all the trimmings all there. Everything is set. Musicians are up. Uh, the pianists, you know, everybody's there. Microphones in place. Everything is ready. Everything is set. Lighting, the chandeliers, the fancy tablecloths. Everything is set, but there's nobody there. Because up until this point, they all rejected it. God said, everything is ready. He's telling his servants, everything is set, everything is ready. But those that were invited, I love this, he uses this word, those that were invited or bidden were not worthy. They were not worthy. Now, the word worthy, let's get, let's get into some, some word definition here, some word study. The word worthy means weighing or having weight, uh, having the weight of another thing, of like value it means worth as much worthy means worth being worth as much it means uh, benefiting um, it also means having the weight of or weighing as much as another thing of like value uh, again worth as much so if you think about the scales that we've shown you a moment ago on the screen those scales you put uh, one object on one end of the, um, the scale. It's kind of, or we could look at it like a, a seesaw. 
But here again, it's on the screen there. You put one item on one side and you put the other item on the other side of the scale. And God already has a righteous standard, okay, by which he judges things. Now, the word worthy is a statement of fact, and it is also a conclusive word. It concludes something that you don't, that is, you don't call something worthy unless you have examined it. Okay. They talk about a boat being seaworthy. There must be some examination first. So God said to these people, he said of these people, I invited them, but they were not worthy. In other words, I have examined them and they came up wanting. They didn't meet my expectations. When you go into the grocery store and you look for oranges or you look for peaches or nectarines and they're all in the, uh, they're all on the display. And you, you don't just, just close your eyes and pick them up and put them in the basket. I don't know anybody that does that. No, you pick it up and you inspect it. There are certain things that you're looking for. I like for my nectarines to be a little bit, uh, a little bit hard. I don't like soft, mushy, gushy nectarines. I look for nectarines not to have bruises on them. And my God, if it's fungus or something growing on them, I'm not going to put them in my buggy. Are you with me? Same thing for my strawberries. I lift it up. I want to see, is, it, is there mold growing in this pack? See, I already have some things that I'm looking for when I go and make my selection. And if we got that much sense, don't you think God has that much sense too? And so the Bible says that he said they that were invited were not worthy. They did not meet my standard. Nothing, there was nothing in them that was like me. Or we could say there was not enough of me in them. Because God is his own standard. He's looking for himself in you. He's looking for his image inside of you. He's looking for Christ in you. The hope of glory. Are you with me? So he's looking for Christ. And so he, as he, as the word of God goes out. Now the word really, we can say this. The word is God's examining tool. How will you relate to the word that is sent to you? Think about these men here uh, in Matthew 22. The word was sent, but they hated the light. They hated the word. They mistreated it and they um, put it away. How do you receive God's word? Do you hate the entrance of God's light because you like more what you are doing? Do you do we hate the entrance of God's light uh, or his word as it relates to finances, as it relates to forgiveness? I mean, you preach on forgiveness. I've done this over the years. I preach on forgiveness and how you have to forgive. And I see people draw up. <clears throat> you don't know what they did. <clears throat> Drawing up. What are they doing? They're killing the word. They are insulting the mess out of me, insulting the mess out of the word, insulting the mess out of the one that sent the word. Are you with me? And killing it. Don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about it. I don't care what he say. I'm never going to forgive. Well, you find yourself some good ice water now and you drink it all the time you can because after a while you're going straight to hell for that unforgiveness. Are you with me? But anyway, so how are you receiving the word that is sent to you? Does it find place in you? Does it find a place in your heart? 
Or, or is it like the Lord planting the word and your heart is stony? It just bounces off. Or does it, you say you receive the word with joy, but a little pressure hit, a little pressure hit. And after a while, that those vines, weeds in your life just choke out the word and you stop doing it. Yes. Or is your heart good ground? See, as the word is even going forth now, how are you receiving it? How are you receiving it? Not just the moment, not just this current moment, but how do you receive the word of God that directly contradicts your own lifestyle? That goes against you, what you have been doing, that goes against even your favorite thing. How do you receive that word? Are you killing the word? Are you trying to suffocate the word or suppress the word? Trying to suppress the light? I'll put it away. I just won't think about it. I just won't think about it. I'm not going back to church anymore. See, no matter how much you try to suppress it, it will still shine. Because darkness cannot comprehend. It cannot suppress the light. It will still shine. And it will shine on the day of judgment too. Now, as we fast forward to the end of this, we're going to go back. We had to get some good coverage. But as we look at the end of, uh, of our verses here in Matthew 22, let's go down just for a second. So the wedding uh, was fully furnished and the guests came in. Those that were found in the highways and the hedges, they came in. And the wedding was fully furnished and the king came in for inspection. Now, here's one great thing, and I love you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. Here's a great and, and awesome thing. The Lord knew that those people that, in, that were in the highways and hedges did not have suitable clothes to come to a king's wedding. A king. I mean, this is a, the prince is getting married. Come on now. Who's got suitable clothes for that? I'm living on the streets or I'm going about my day or, or, you know, I'm, I may have been in the crack house when they called me. Huh? What? The king want me go what? I mean, I don't have none. You got some two pave me, bro, my TV leave? Huh? You gonna help me out? So the king knew. That those people, the Bible said the wedding was furnished with both good and bad. Those that were productive and those that were unproductive. Those that were morally right and those that were morally wrong. God said the wedding was fully furnished and he knew that they did not have God's appropriate attire. So they had to make a decision. I'm going to have to take off what I got and put on what he has. I'm going to have to take off my way of thinking, my way of living. And put on his way of thinking, his way of living. I'm going to have to take off the old man and put on the new man. I'm going to have to put on Christ. God said, I will provide you with the clothes. I'll provide you with the righteousness. I know what standard I am looking for. And I'm willing just to give it to you. Remember, righteousness is a free gift that comes from God. Romans 5th chapter tells you about that in so many other places. God said, I will give you the standard. I know you can't meet up to my standard. And no matter how much good we do in life, we will never be able to meet up to God's righteous standard. The scales will always show us wanting, always show us unworthy, always show us unrighteous. It will always, God knew that there would be no way possible for you to meet up to his standard of holiness. 
No way possible that we can meet up to God's standard. No way possible that we can meet up to God's standard, God perfect standard. Can't even go throughout a day or a week. And some of you cross it, get your eyes crossed out. Can't believe she cut me off. I can't believe it. But killing people with your eyes. Can't go through a day. God said, I know you can't do it in yourself. So I will provide for you these wedding garments. I'll provide for you the clothes. Now the Lord says this over and over again. Even in the, uh, the parable of the, of the prodigal son. We'll get to that possibly. The Lord knew, the father knew that his son was stanky. I mean, just fresh out of the pig pen. Fresh out and pigs stank. I'm not sure if you know that or not. They smell. He was in there feeding the pigs, so he stank. And he goes to his father's house, stanking, rank. Are you with me? I mean, smelling bad. And his father does not say, you stank, you're not coming to my house. No, he says, I got some garments for you. Bring him the robe. Take off that mess you got there. Bring him the robe. Bring him some shoes. Put on his hand the ring of his finger, the ring of sonship. Come on and let's throw a party for him. He said, I've already got a change of clothes. I've already got a righteous outfit already laid out for you. You just have to choose to receive it. Are you with me? And so here are these individuals. Now they're coming in out the streets, both good and bad. Doesn't matter what they've done or where they've been. They, they, it doesn't matter. God said, go, go find them. And so they come in and so they're there. And a lot of people think about it. I mean, I look at this man. This is just a wonderful thing. Um, look at, look at the wine or, or, or even a stockbroker, uh, that, that has, that has, has lived the life, but has, uh, mistreated people that have maybe robbed people or whatever. He comes in and realize they all realize I've, I'm not good enough like this I need to receive your change of clothes and I, I can see the individual that 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 is impoverished and and he comes inside or let's say she comes inside and and uh, her, her hair is not together but the servants at the door say oh ma'am don't worry about it hairstyling's right down there uh, pedicures right there manicures right there because we want you to look the best to see the king all right pick up your robe of righteousness right over there um, get your sweet smelling scent of the Holy Ghost right over there you're gonna look good girl snap 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 you're gonna look good when you go into the wedding hallelujah all you've got to do is decide to take off what you got decide that your way is not the best way receive what God has put away your old thinking put away your old mentality that God can't do it God can't do anything so they made that decision yes I'm gonna put it on I'm gonna put on the clothes that have been provided for me but one man, so the king, so all that's been done, you see all the hairstyling places, people brush their teeth, the showers. I mean, they had all everything together. Why would I give you clean clothes without cleaning up your body? And that doesn't go too well to put a man in a, in a tuxedo and there's some B.O. going there. Are you with me? These are clean clothes, white garments. So the Lord had to clean us up and then put this stuff on us. So the king comes in to inspect his wedding guests. I can see him all royal and regal. Royal and regal. And he's walking down looking at the guests. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing? How you doing? 
I'm sure some are saying, oh, guess the king, that's the king, hey, king, thank you for my robe, thank you, man, thank you, peace, bro, thank you, much love, thank you, I haven't looked this good at whoever, this is good, thank you, my hair slick, thank you, thank you, all right, all right, so as he's walking down, you know, with the royal people, he finds there a man that is sitting there in filthy garments. Everybody's dressed in white. Laid, dyed, hair, fried, dyed, laid to the side. Everybody's good. There's a man having on these filthy clothes, dirt, mud on his shoes. And in his own mind, he thinks that he's good just the way that he is. He has refused to receive the garments that were provided. He has refused to change. He wants to stay in his own thinking. He wants to stay in his own way. These things have been provided. And I love what the Lord Jesus says here as we're beginning to close. The Lord says in verse number 12, and he said unto him, friend, friend, Look at God's attitude. Look at God's attitude. Friend? He didn't say, hey, buddy. Or jerk, you know, or whatever. Friend. 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 How did you come in here not having on the appropriate attire, not having on a wedding garment? He didn't see him, you know. He didn't punish first and ask questions last. He asked him a question first. Friend, how did you get here? Not having on the attire. I'm sure inside he's maybe wanting an answer. He wanted the man to answer. Well, um, I didn't know. Well, um, I got in late and nobody informed me of that. I didn't know. I'm sure he's warning. The king is warning. Okay, tell me something. Okay, how, how? How, 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 how? Well, well, they were very rude to me. And when I went to get my hair washed, uh, they didn't do it. Tell me something. How, how, how? How did you get in here not having? Give me something. Give me, give me something, something, something. Some way, some way, some way that I can keep you in here. Give me something. But Jesus said the man was speechless. I, I. Oh, no. But, uh, no. He couldn't give, he could not give an excuse. He was without excuse. Now, meaning this, God will give this gospel in such a way throughout all mankind, throughout all history, that when people stand before him, they will be without excuse. None will be able to say, well, I just didn't believe in God. There was no evidence of God. Please. I didn't believe I was born over here on this place and, and we worship this, that all my life. I, I, I didn't believe. I didn't believe it. Nobody told me. No, gospel is going to be preached everywhere before the Lord comes. And when the gospel is preached, it is preached in such a way that all who hear will understand and have a moment, at least a moment of clarity at least once to know who Jesus is, really know who he is and make a decision. 
just like this man, see the robes, see all this stuff, and made a decision. Hmm, nah, I'm good enough like I am. He said, how did you come in here not having it? And he was speechless. Let's go on and let's go to our conclusion. He was speechless. And the king said, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That talks about hell. A place that is absent from God. A place of eternal damnation. Bind him hand and foot. Cast him out. Well, why can't he stand here, Lord? Because his very presence speaks against the king. If the king lets that man stay in here, then everybody else says, well, I like my crack pipe too, but I put it down to put these clothes on. If he get to keep his, can I keep mine too? I threw away my black book of, of, of fancy women for you, Jesus. You know what I was doing every Friday and Saturday night, and you're going to let him keep his? No, this was a mockery. If he let him stay in here, it would mock his very word. It would mock his standard. So you got to, so he had to deal with this man quickly. Get him out here, bind him hand and foot harshly, cast him out of, out of darkness, telling the rest of the room, my standard is secure. My standard is a thing that I'm, that I live by. I'm not double minded. I don't speak out of both sides of my mouth or both sides of my neck. I don't have two ways of doing things. I am holy and there is no shadow of turning in me. There is no darkness in me. What I said, I meant it. And if he allows this man to stay, to remain, even though um, if the man didn't know the truth, one thing. But the Lord's going to make very clear, very sure that when all humanity stand before him, they have been preached the gospel in a way that they will hear and understand and see Jesus for who he is. And you will have to at that point make a decision. Am I going to confess Christ? And Jesus said, you confess me before men. I'll confess you before my father. Oh, they have an opportunity to deny Christ. And he said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. You won't be able to remain in the presence of God eternally, having denied Christ in this life. God has, has made a way for us to tip, tip the scales in our favor. He has made a way. He has made a way for the scales to be tipped. It. I mean, to, to put you over the top. He has made a way for you. He, is a, he has robes of righteousness already available for you. The bride has made herself ready. We saw that in the book of Revelations. Everything is ready. Everything is set. All we've got to do is yield to it and say yes to the Lord. That's all we've got to do is start that relationship with him. And every relationship is started really with a conversation. Talk to him and say, Lord, I see the need in my life. I see this sin. I, I see that I, I am unworthy. And I need you to make me worthy. I know that I can't go my whole life being perfect. I can't do it. I can't be perfect. I can't. Can I put on your perfection? I want to receive your perfection. And he says, yes. And the Lord Jesus comes into your heart, fills you with his presence, puts on you that robe of righteousness, and you will stand in the presence of God in peace.
without fear of judgment. That's why the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I pray today that you've heard the word of God, and I want you to understand that God has tipped the scales in your favor. All you've got to do is receive it. In Jesus' name, we give God a hand of praise for you. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Well, those of you that are here tonight, and those of you that are listening by way of CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you, and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned and I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org.